and it's Thursday Finance with thanks to our sponsor Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard joining us today uh, for Thursday Finance. We will take a look at salary sacrificing into super a little bit later on. We'll also have our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. And we'll find out about currencies and commodities in just a moment. But first off, um, I don't know, things are going up and up price-wise, Stephen Pritchard. And uh, sometimes the little things, can they actually make a difference? For example, if instead of going and putting money into parking metres, you walk? All those things, um, such as parking meters, uh, when they're actually working in Newcastle, of course, um, and uh, cups of coffee um, all over the year add up. I mean, you know, if you if you if you work somewhere and you're paying for your parking each day, um, um, you know, you know, you're probably paying five to ten dollars a day in parking, and you know that that's between um, twenty five and fifty dollars a week. So so it's not hard to extract a savings of, you know, one to $2,000 a year just by, as you said, walking four blocks away and um, um, not paying the parking meter. It would be nice at the moment, of course. Newcastle CBD parking meters aren't working at the moment. No. Some um, of them. No. This week I've been to one in um, Arnott Street, Parry Street and Wharf Road and none of them worked. And when I rang the Lord Mayor's office, I was told it was an operational matter and I pointed out to the Lord Mayor's office, well, the Lord Mayor's responsible and the elected councils are responsible for making policy. Do they have a policy that the parking meters are actually to work? And I didn't actually get an answer. Mm. Um, so that'll be interesting to see whatever happens there. But, you know, quite frankly, if they can't get them to work, they should all just be turned off till they're fixed. And no penalty. And no, and, you know, you ring up that line and, they, you know, they're going to get expected to have a piece of paper to write down the number and you can still get fined even if you write down the number. It's just ridiculous. If they can't get the parking meters to work, just turn them all off. Well, let's uh, turn something else on instead and take a look at currencies look and at commodities. Let's we'll see if commodities we can make some money. Um, the gold price, uh, the gold price was up uh, about one percent to the week to fifteen hundred and thirty-one dollars an ounce. Um, the silver price was down about one percent to twenty dollars an ounce. Um, the copper price was down two point two percent, which which is is continuing to fall to six thousand eight hundred fifty-seven dollars a ton. And the nickel price also fell by about 2% to $1,462 a tonne. But interesting, for the second week in or the third week in a row, the tin price is going the opposite direction to the other uh, type of industrial metals. Um, and it's gone up 4% to $21,368 a tonne. Uh, that's kind of interesting because these industrial metals usually tend to move all in the same direction. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, some We don't know what's happening there? No, no. Tin, tin's not a... a product that, that makes the front page mm. big movements. Um, maybe the, it will. Maybe it will. Yeah, maybe they might find, dis, dis, discover a tin deposit up in Merriweather there somewhere. Um, the uh, US dollar, the, the Australian dollar, I guess the US dollar, um, the, US, uh, the Australian dollar was, was marginally down to 73.54 US cents um, and the currencies were all, no major movements in those, um, were up slightly against the euro to 66 what do they have in euros? What's the base? Euro cents. Euro cents, uh, good. And Canadian dollar, we're up against to that marginally to, to 96 cents Canadian. Um, um, the All Ordinaries Index was up yesterday. Um, it's going to be down early this morning. And from the week, we ended up just about steady at 5,379. Um, all the markets were, were all down, you know, during the week. Um 
except for um, they were all down small amounts, but there was major downturn of 3% in the Hang Seng Index and 2% in the UK FTSE Index. Mm. Okay. And oil? Now, the oil price, the oil price fell dramatically last night. Um, and there's the, 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 the price we've got here is in the A dollar, but the oil price last night, um, the A dollar price was 55.72 cents a barrel um, yesterday, but last night it fell through $40 a barrel US. So Even there's a dra- hmm. dramatic fall in the oil price. There's a d- d- currency conversion issue here too and a bit of a timing issue. But last night the oil price fell to, to $40 a barrel, which is a big drop overnight. Mm. So, because um, it hasn't been reflected at the Bowser yet. Well, I suppose it's a bit soon. It's a bit soon, yes, yes. <laughs> um, the, the unleaded petrol price in Newcastle was $1.33 a litre um, from the NRMA yesterday, um, which is down one9 percent on the week and Sydney was a dollar thirty seven. So it's the first time I've ever seen the Sydney prices actually higher than us, which was up five percent on the week. I think something's actually must have gone wrong there, Jay. <laughs> and the diesel price, the diesel price across the week was was pretty much steady. Newcastle was a dollar thirty two a litre and Sydney was a dollar twenty seven a litre. And you are FM, and this is Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners. And uh, well it's time for a market snapshot, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. Um, we've got Henry Jennings with us again, from uh, who's a senior commentator with Marcus today, a leading financial newsletter, and Henry's going to help us with his views on the market today. Good, good afternoon, Stephen. How are you? Good afternoon, Henry. And um, there's been lots of things happening in the last couple of days because it's, it's reporting season. It's uh, today's the busiest day of the reporting season. I think there's some 40 companies reporting today. Um, and some of those are big ones like Qantas, we've had West Farmers, we've had AMP. Um, so it has been uh, an interesting reporting season. It's certainly kept analysts on their toes um, and, and very busy. So um, we're, we're certainly seeing some, some interesting themes, I guess, starting to, uh, to come out. Mainly uh, guidance going forward has not been particularly good. Um, and uh, companies that disappoint have been punished severely. Um, we've certainly seen that yesterday uh, with stocks like Seek. Um, getting absolutely walloped. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, an interesting time. So with SEEK, was it, was it just that the, the, the people didn't think the growth strategy overseas was working, or what was...? Well, I think it, I'm, the trouble is a lot of these stocks are priced to perfection. They're, they're trading on very high PEs, mm. and although the, the results were in line, it did seem that the guidance for 5% growth uh, for 2016 was not particularly bullish and certainly not something you'd want to see in a so-called growth stock. So mm-hmm. they seem to be having some issues with seat learning um, still, and, but they are investing some of the money they're making back in the business, which is uh, having a, a negative effect on their EPS growth. So um, not particularly good news. The stock got absolutely walloped yesterday, um, and it has made a slight recovery today, which I guess is good to see. It's up sort of 4.2% today. So um, we, we're certainly seeing a... Uh, uh, a theme of uh, shoot first and uh, ask the analyst later appearing in um, in some of these stocks, violent reactions. And then Woodside made an announcement yesterday that, uh, that, that, that aims to pounce on the crown jewels of oil and gas companies that come under pressure. Yeah. And then the oil price fell dramatically overnight. Yeah, another 4% last night. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a big oil supply glut at the moment, and we saw that last night with some U.S. Uh, oil inventory figures, which were far, far better 
than the, the market was going for, which is, means there's a lot more oil being stored, a lot more oil around, and as a result, the oil price got whacked big time. Woodside's um, certainly the best of uh, the bunch at the moment in terms of uh, their cost-out strategy. Um, they're, they're very conservative and they're doing all the right things, but it's a tough environment for them, which is something they alluded to yesterday in terms of their competitors also feeling the, uh, the bracing cold winds of, uh, of winter. Uh, and as such, that may throw up opportunities for acquisition. So um, I guess we'll have to watch this space, but at the moment the sector's uh, not a good place to be. And, and of course, Santos, is, Santos yeah. has come out again and said they don't need to raise any equity, but the share yeah. price dropped to 570 this morning. Me thinks they do protest too much. Um, the figures are out tomorrow, and um, we'll wait and see whether they really do need to raise equity. They have said that they don't, um, but then a lot of companies have said that. Commonwealth Bank, if you remember, said that they were looking at other options rather than equity raising, and then two days later announced they were raising equity. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's not a sure thing that they won't, but um, the problems with all the resource stocks and oils especially is that the underlying prices of the commodities is just in, uh, in free fall in some, some cases. Coppers at a you know, 13, 14-year low. Uh, iron ore is actually iron ore is one of the only ones that's really holding up at the moment. Coal, um, twelve-year lows, and those sorts of things. It's, it's crazy times. Yeah, there was an article this week that the that the coal in China has dropped below the price of water. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, we had a, we saw the uh, there was uh, stories that the iron ore price, a ton of iron ore, was uh, was worth less than a ton of cabbages, and now we've got the ton of uh, coal is worth less. Is that Chinese water or our water? I don't know. I'd rather drink our water <laughs> yes, than yes, Chinese yes, water. Yes, I think that's right. And, yeah. and Arium, which is uh, the, the old uh, one steel, is now contemplating yeah. selling off the only thing they've got to make that makes money to cut their debt. Yeah, I mean... It, it doesn't make sense. Always, this is always, um, you know, this is always a problem, isn't it, when you get into, pro- get into strife. Um, you know, if you start selling off the crown jewels to, to pay down your debt, it's um, what's what's going to what's going to really drive you in the future. So um, I think that's a strategy fraught with uh, with danger because all they end up with is is no business and just a pile of debt still. No, that's right. So we'll be back in a minute just to continue with Henry's market update here. Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners, and we are in our mid in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today uh, Financial Newsletter. Um, back, Henry. Um, and Newcrest uh, seems to be adopting a similar strategy to Woodside that they they want to go and bargain hunt for um, uh, undeveloped deposits and junior uh, gold yeah. mining explorers that are distressed. Well, I guess this is uh, this is Darwin at its best in terms of the only the strong survive. Um, and when you get these massive downturns in commodity prices, the strong guys do tend to uh, pick off the weak guys, a bit like the vultures. So um, we've had Newcrest figures out this week, which were actually surprisingly not too bad, um, and um, which is which is unusual for Newcrest because they do have a, a, a history of being uh, pretty mm. appalling. So, um, but yeah, they they will start looking at uh, picking off some of their their weaker uh, competitors. And at the end of the day, I guess it, it's it's probably cheaper to uh, to pick them off than it is actually go out and explore and start drilling again and try and find some more gold resources. Um, it's far better to look at your competitors that are struggling, uh, take them out at a cheap price per ounce rather than develop them yourself. Yeah, I mean, similar strategy to Woodside, I suppose. Uh, yes, 
And, and what's happening over at Seven West Media, the owner of the Seven Network? One point nine billion dollar loss. Yeah, they took a, a two point one billion dollar write down. It seems to be a, another theme uh, emerging again in the uh, results season. Is these uh, sort of these massive uh, write downs of the balance sheet in terms of goodwill? They took a big hit on their goodwill on their free to wear TV uh, stations and some of their other businesses. Um, big, big numbers, two point one billion. So you know, it's um, yeah. Free to air continues to uh, to not be a very happy place, I guess. Um, you know, it's certainly not not a place that we'd be recommending our um, our readers would uh, be investing in. It's just um, you know, it's it's not a great place to be, I don't think. And you know, you look at the chart, Seven West. Uh, you know, it's just been sliding all the way down, and uh, I think it will continue to do so. There's there's so much more competition out there now for the uh, for the advertising dollar. Yeah, I mean, there's talks that, that free-to-air media is going to cease to exist, but, but... Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's hope not. I mean, it's, it still provides a valuable community service in terms of uh, cooking shows and renovation shows, after all. Yeah, and the news, and the news. Well, yeah, if you believe the news on free-to-air, I'd much rather watch the ABC ah. or listen to it on this radio station. Oh, that's, that's right, Henry, thanks for that. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Apple, Apple's going to... Apple is decided... It's great, to... isn't it? Yes. Apple's a class act. They've got $170 billion worth of cash sitting on their balance sheet, yet they still feel the need to go and raise money from Australian investors. And they've issued, a, I guess it would be an I-bond or something like that, but um, I think it's about $1.2 billion issue, uh, and they've been killed in the rush. Um, and as with most things, Apple, there is a premium to pay for, for the bond. Um, they've said they're going to use it for general sort of corporate um, expenses and share buybacks and capital uh, restructuring. This is, this is the great thing about Apple. They, although they've got all this cash sitting on their balance sheet, it all tends to be stashed away in places that um, is not taxed quite as highly as uh, other places. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to repaying, uh, well, paying dividends or buying back shares or capital returns, they actually borrow money because it's cheaper for them to do so rather than bring the money back and have it taxed. So they, they will continue to accumulate vast hordes of cash. Uh, not really sure what they're going to do with it, given the, the problems they have with the, the tax issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, is that going to be issued to the retail market, Henry? Or is it um, just wholesale? Um, I, think, I think, yeah, I, I don't know if it, yeah. there, there's going to be too many uh, available for, uh, for the mums and dads of this world to buy Apple bonds. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, I, I think we'll have to make, make do with apple pies. Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing to buy them anyhow. Um, no. And uh, QBE seems to be starting to turn around. The profit was up 24%, and it's raised its dividends. Yeah, QBE's a, I mean, QBE has a long history of surprising, uh, usually to the downside, but this time it actually surprised to the upside. The stock's been a great performer in the last year. Um, it's done very, very well. Um, and we've had some, some good numbers out of them. And we've also, as you say, they're talking about increasing their payout ratio in 2016 to around 60% of profits uh, from 50%. So it's, it's kind of back on, the, um, back on the ascendancy again. The stock's rallied from 10, 10 bucks to, uh, to 14 bucks in the last, uh, well, this year. So um, it's been a big performer and it's, it seems to be delivering. I wonder how long before it gets back to its $30 like it was previously. <sighs> I think that's maybe time. some way away, yes. A long time. Yes, I think so. And one of the resource stocks that appears to have a bit of optimism is, is Aluka Resources. Yeah, there's, there's, not many, um, there's not many resource stocks out there that have, have too much optimism around at the moment. Um, 
but Luca um, had some some strong production numbers came in, um, and their tipping, uh, well, the operating cash flow was around $87 million, which was well ahead of market forecast of 55. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some good news out there for Luca. They, um, they talked about guidance, um, and they're tracking well for that guidance. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's looking good. Luca, for those people that don't know, are, are involved in mineral sands. Uh, mineral sands are used in a variety of Industries, but uh, one of the big uses for mineral sand is is in the print industry. They add uh, add stuff to uh, to paper to make it shiny and glossy and stuff. So um, and also to china and uh, various other things. Yeah, and and, and um, paint as well. Yeah. And paint. So yeah, I mean renovations, yeah. Uh, renovation shows on Channel Nine driving. Uh, people to renovate helps them as well. So oh, that excellent. Helps the paint We're glad Channel Nine's helping our share prices go up. Yes. <laughs> okay, I think that's uh, that's all for this week, Henry. Yes, cool. thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us, Henry. Henry Jennings thanks, from yes. Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. It's an e-newsletter, I believe. And uh, is it an e-newsletter, Henry? Henry's gone. I think Henry. I think it is. Yeah. To NURFM and Thursday Finance for our sponsor. Uh, Pritchard and Partners and Stephen Pritchard. Just before we take a look at salaries sacrificing into super, which we will do, um, retailers, there's something new happening on the retailing scene? Oh, not, not so much something new, just another couple of overseas retailers are, are look like coming, a couple of South African retailers look like coming in Australia. One, one South African retailer has actually bought the um, um, trade secret shops around Australia from Gazelle Corp. I think they paid about $80 million for those. Um, and it's interesting that the, the, the local retailers um, are claiming that things are very tough and hard and everything. And overseas retailers like seem to come in to Australia and, you know, like what happened to David Jones within 18 months, it starts to turn around. I mean, you know, one would question what's happening to the board of directors of these companies that say it's tough and then other people come in and in a short time turn around. But, you know, I think there's going to be a continuing influx of overseas retailers in Australia and it'll provide uh, consumers with more choice. So so it doesn't appear that the, the doom and gloom that everything's going to be bought online is, is actually... Uh, Occurring, so it's still nice to go into a shop, try something on, feel what it feels like, and um, yeah, there are plenty of us who perhaps think yeah, I think I think the commodity stuff, you know, that that's the, the the businesses that seem to me to be success online are things that can actually be um, delivered online, like you know, buying insurance and financial services and travel, etc., and then and then commodity type products. Um, I don't know that it's such a great success if you want to go in and buy a new dress and try it on and mm. and those type of things and have a look in the mirror and although there is some technology coming out where it's supposed to supposed to let you stand there and superimpose this dress or whatever you're wearing on top so you can have a look but I think that's a while away. That's an interesting one. The other thing that I think is interesting is that these people are coming from businesses are coming from South Africa <laughs> where traditionally it's been really hard to get money out of so they must have found ways of doing that to mm, buy into. I, I d- didn't go. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think you can get money out of South Africa if, you, if, you, if there's ways of If getting, you know how yeah, to do you know it. Okay, and it. obviously the people in well, the that, business world are the ones to know. Well, they obviously got all that money out of um, South Africa for to buy um, Woolworths. So I assume they've still got exchange control and they might. To a new RFM and this is Thursday Finance.
for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And uh, salary sacrifice, it's something that um, perhaps some of us understand quite a lot about, Stephen Pritchard, but um, um, what is it? Uh, it's, it's really quite simple um, in concept. Is, is so instead of the um, your, your employer paying you your um, salary, some employers will give you the opportunity to pay part of your salary into your superannuation fund. So, so you, your employer's already paying in your nine point five percent super guarantee levy. In most cases, there's, there's some people who don't get that, but in most cases, people get that. And then on top of that, if you want to contribute extra money to superannuation, your employer sometimes allow you to do that um, by by reducing the amount of wages that they're paying to you and increasing the amount of, the, of contributions that are made to the superannuation fund. Now. Um, what you need to be careful of, there's a couple of things you need to, to be careful of, and, and I suppose why would you do this? Well, why you would do it is because um, superannuation is only taxed at um, 15% in respect to contributions, and your marginal tax rate might be 30 or 49%. So That's straight, a considerable saving. Straight away there's a considerable saving, and it allows you to build up um, your savings faster than you would otherwise. Of course, you haven't got as much money to spend each week, but, but you might be able to make that up by drinking left coffees and... Uh, uh, walking four blocks additional to the parking meter, as we spoke about earlier. So, so it's a way to increase the savings in your superannuation fund in a tax-effective manner. Um, and and what is the maximum amount you can put in? Well, you can put in up to your up to your superannuation cap, which is um, for most people it's twenty five thousand per annum. Some people it's thirty five thousand per annum. Um, but when when you when you're doing this, just make sure that. Um, because the penalties can be quite hard for exceeding your cap. When you when when you when you're calculating this, make sure that um, there's no other money going into superannuation from for other things such as um, your super guarantee levy, your salary sacrifice amount, and if you happen to have a part job, um, that money that's contributed in respect of that part time job as well calculates towards your thirty five thousand dollars cap. So you just need to take a bit of care when you go down this strategy. So do you always get your superannuation at the same time as you get your pay for a particular job, so that you can keep track of how much you've got? No, no. The the the, the fun the 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 money has to be paid within 28 days at the end of the quarter in most cases. Right. Um, so, so that's one thing you should also check on is when your statements come out from your superannuation fund, make sure that the money's actually being, your super guarantee money is actually being paid into the fund and also make sure that um, any additional money that you've salary sacrificed is being paid into the fund as well. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that if you're salary sacrificing this, you actually get the money. Um it, a couple of the a couple of the disadvantages, I suppose, is that you take home less pay, as we've spoken about before. Uh, once the money's put into the fund, um, you basically can't get that money back until you reach a condition of lease, which is generally uh, fifty-five or sixty, depending on the circumstances. Um, and that's the major disadvantages, I suppose. Mm, so and also you don't have the money to spend. You don't, you on don't have through. the once once <laughs> once it's in there, you can't spend it. I mean, some people that might be a disadvantage. In other, you know. And, and circumstances change, so you need to be sure that you're putting the money in there um, um, that you that you uh, don't actually need it. Um, this is particularly this is a particularly suitable strategy for for people who are, are coming up to retirement and want to top up their super, um, and, and for people who, who 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 you know 
may have got a large bonus in a particular year and, and that's going to push them into the mixed marginal tax rate, um, some unexpected money like that might be worthwhile contributing as a salary sacrifice uh, yeah. payment into no. the super fund. You say when you're coming up to retirement age, how much in advance of retirement age would be a good time to think about salary sacrificing? Ah, look, it it all depends on the personal circumstances. I've noticed that that in our firm, uh, we've we've got a lot of clients who are self-employed business people, and basically the last 10 years, they they seem to want to put additional contributions into their um, superannuation fund. So I suppose for an employed person, it's basically the same. Um, um, You know, most people don't tend to think about the retirement until it's five to ten years away. Um, And, and, you know, the earlier you start contributing the the money because of the compounding effect, the more you're going to end up with. So so even even if you're, you know, only 30 or 35 and you've got some spare money, um, you don't know what to do with it, particularly if you've got a bonus coming up, you need to consider putting in super for your retirement. So self-employed people—that's probably a good. Uh, self-employed people, I think, yeah. I mean, they, they tend to be slightly different because they count on the sale of the business at the end. Um, but you know, you know, I've just noticed from practice that's what tends to happen. They, they, they tend to ten years out, they start thinking about putting additional uh, money into superannuation. And I suppose, yes, that's um, that's fair enough, isn't it? That it's getting closer. Ten it's getting years closer. Is probably a reasonable. Ten close. Yeah. Ten years seems like a long time. I it always seems a long time in the future, but when you look back, it doesn't seem a long. time. Time. Oh, that's deep, Stephen. <laughs> no, I've just noticed that. If you think 10 years... Absolutely right. <laughs> you know, and you can think of something happened. Oh, but that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> well, so salary sacrificing is, is can be a useful Yeah, tool. you need to do a, get a bit of advice on it, and, and not all employers offer it because it's a bit of extra work for them, um, but, it, but it's becoming relatively more common. And that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. And Thanks, Jane. We'll do it all again next Thursday.